How many of us love like the vulnerability of scripture? It doesn't like gloss over our emotions and how we experience this world. Um, and today we're actually going to be talking about lament. Um, we've been going through a series um, called Different, which really has honed in on our emotional expression and really um, like the areas in which our emotions have been infected uh, negatively and how we can actually honor God with our emotions and how we, um, how we deal with those. And um, of course, we have Vineyard, our, um, we love faith walking. Uh, so I'll, I'll shout that one out if anyone, uh, I don't know if when the next one is, but um, it's a great experience. Not only that um, you're dealing with emotional health, but it really does give you language um, for some things that are kind of difficult to um, understand. It allows you to pinpoint areas of your life easier so that you know where you can go to God um, with. And um, I think that Different was a, it was a great series. Um, I mean, 2020 has pretty much blindsided us. I think no one here was prepared um, for what had come this year. Um, it's been hard for, for all of us, for particular people even harder, um, especially those who are exposed to um, COVID-19 um, and our black brothers and sisters struggling during this time. And so um, one thing that as, as Vineyard, does anyone know what our mission statement is? Can someone, what was that? Equipping people for kingdom release. Amen, Anna. So one thing that we, um, as a leadership team, as pastors, we want to equip you for the, for the rest of this year. We don't know what's going to come. We have an election. We possibly could have another outbreak of COVID. We don't know what's going to happen. But we want to equip you with um, the kingdom so that, man, if you're shut up in your home again or if we're interacting with people, that we can, we can give you the tools. We can give you... Um, the gospel truths that you can live out. And so 2020, by the end of it, we're not going to be knocked over. We're not going to be uh, blindsided by the end of this thing. And so that's, that's one thing that we really, um, really want to kind of press into. And um, I think a huge part is lamenting. I think honestly, when I look back at like faith walking, lamenting, I think it was implied, but it wasn't, there wasn't um, any teaching on the power of lament and how it is it um it's essential for expressing and kind of um mulling through proper emotions getting to uh, proper emotions and so at its very core lamenting is expressing to god how things shouldn't be the way that they are i think we are all attuned in some way to like this is not right there is something off. I think believer, unbeliever, we all have this sense. And so lamenting is going to the author of this world, the author of the narrative that we live, and we're saying, God, this is not how it should be based on what you say of yourself, based on what's happening. And so today we're going to be taking a look at um, a lamenting psalm, Psalm 13. Uh, we're going to kind of incrementally go through it. 
Um, but if you want to get that ready now, you totally can. Um, and so on our way through Psalms 13, we are going to be talking about how lament is victory over despair. How if, if we do not have an outlet of lament, we cannot truly overcome despair. We can't. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at three things to get us to that, um, learning how lament can have victory over despair. We're going to learn how what, what despair is, what despair actually is, what despair does to us, and then how lament wins, how lament actually has victory over this. So I'm going to pray this morning um, that as we get into God's word, he would reveal himself to us. Lord, I am thankful that you are here with us, no matter the circumstance. Lord, I pray this morning that as we learn about an essential tool that has been used by people throughout history with you, lament. God, I pray that we would lament and come to you and choose you over despair, God. I pray that despair would not hold us any longer, that we would get excited, and that as we lament, eventually we would behold your victory, God, and that maybe we even get a little excited. There'd be a little spring in our step. Lord, we know that joy in you is... It's unmatched. It's beautiful, Lord. So I pray this morning that we would hear your voice through your word, oh God. Amen. What is despair? Well, let's take a look at Psalms 13. It's such a it's such a little a little psalm, but it actually encompasses um everything that we need to know about how lament works. Um, so let's, uh, let's start here at verse 1. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord? Four words, how long, O Lord? There's so much longing in those words. It's just a simple saying, but it it's almost like the psalmist is just tired. How long, oh Lord? How long do I wait, God? It's kind of like an end of the rope type of a type of a saying. Like, how much longer, God? Seriously. It's, it's heavy. Um, it, I can just picture someone just walking along the road. They're almost like there's a weight. And they're just walking there. God, how long do I have to be on this road? 
See, despair is hopelessness. In its most um, mature form, despair is hopelessness. And hopelessness, in its uh, most concrete terms, is circumstance that have convinced us that goodness will never come again. There's been a, a habit, a, a pattern in our life that seems to continually come up. And we don't actually believe hopelessness. We don't see that that could be overturned. We don't see that goodness could come back. And that's what despair is. It's the absence of God forever. It's that belief that he will be absent from a situation, from relationship forever. Despair. Have you ever felt that? That God in a particular situation was uninterested. That God was somehow darkened his face on a particular predicament. There's some biblical examples of people that were also in despair. I think that's, I think that's something that is so human, is that when we see someone else, especially who are, who have been seen to do wonderful things for God, are struggle with despair, struggle with this um, distance from God. I think there's something in our humanness that just, it really gives us life. Because we know that we're not alone in this. We have a Ezekiel in the cave. This guy just came from blasting out some of the prophets of Baal. And um, if you read the story afterwards, he's kind of talking with God and he is basically like, Lord, there's no one else. I've done all these things, and I'm still alone. I don't even want my life anymore. And when, when you read that, you kind of go, come on, Ezekiel. Like, you just saw God do a, a great thing. But there's something that deep within us yearns um, for that connection with Ezekiel, that he still was struggling with seeing God come out at the end of something. We also have Job. I'm sure a lot of us in our times of despair have jumped to Job. Um, a man who was said to be righteous was afflicted by God and, um, well, by Satan. But, um, and you just read and it's arguments after arguments of trying to justify himself and say, God, where are you? Why is this even happening to me? And I remember, um, I think it was a couple of years after I had reconciled with my father um, that I had gone to his house. He lived in Richmond during that time. And ever since my mom and dad had gotten divorced, his, his heart was just embittered and hardened. And um, even as a little boy, I would, uh, I would get so angry at what he was doing. And there was a sense of injustice that was happening. But when I was at his house, um, I saw on the mantle of his fireplace, Job was opened. 
And I think even in any bitterness that you have, there is this sense that we still want to talk to God. We, we want to be with him. And I think that Job um, does a good job of kind of expressing that back and forth between God um, and back and forth that my dad and I still believe that my dad has that back and forth with, with God. And I, I think that that was encouraging to me um, to see my father still wrestling, even though he's far from him. And so we even have in church history, um, I've been reading Augustine, uh, St. Augustine's Confession uh, during this time. And um, guy's pretty crazy sometimes. Um, but he's a, he was a prolific uh, Christian writer in the early church. Um, and actually on the cover of the book is just him in his hands um, weeping. Um, he was throughout the pages just so much grief that he dealt with. And so um, this is a part of the book that I wanted to share with you. Uh, his best friend died um, before this, and this was, he was so emotionally attached to this individual. And um, this is how he saw the world. <laughs> As his grief, my heart, or at this grief, my heart was utterly darkened. And whatever I beheld was death. My native country was a torment to me, and my father's house a strange unhappiness. And whatever I had shared with him, wanting him, became a dis distracting torture. Mine eyes sought him everywhere, but he was not but he was not granted them. And I hated all places for that they had not him, his friend. Nor could they not now tell me he is coming as when he was alive and absent. I became a great riddle to myself, and I asked my soul why she was so sad and why she disquiet, disquieted me sorely, but she knew not what to answer me. This was actually, um, he recounts uh, this um, passage of his um, confession when he wasn't a Christian yet. So I think even even um, before knowing Christ or uh, the true God, Augustine nevertheless shows how despair paints the world in an uncharming light. And so that brings us to what despair actually does, what despair actually does to us. Despair does three things as we take a look at this. Um, scripture here. It distorts God's intentions. It weakens our well-being. And it heightens our fear of opposition. And so in the next, uh, next part here we have, so he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Despair distorts God's intentions. Whenever bad things happen, we tend to question. We tend to um, 
look at our relationship with God and go, mm, there's something, there's something awry here. God, you're, there's something you're not doing. And so um, despair actually um, challenges our reception of truth. Because I, I think it's comforting to know that God can literally never forget you. God will never forget you. You want to know why? Because if he did, you wouldn't exist. There is nothing outside of God's thought that would ever exist. And so just by you being here, God has not forgotten you. And um, I think also his turning away is never meaningless or malicious. God's turning, and he does turn. There's times where we don't feel him. There's times where we disobey and run from him, and he turns. But it's never meaningless or malicious. He's never doing it to get back at us. I think it's funny. When we're in despair, like how much do you want to know the truth? Like when you're really hurting and someone goes, well, Jesus, you know, wins in the end. Like not, <laughs> not many of us are like, you know what? I'm really, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this despair stuff. I think I'll believe you this time. All right. <laughs> Thanks. No, there's almost like this resistance. I mean, I, I think even the story with Derek and Jerry, um, when they're, when they had a miscarriage and that one person that just listened they were receptive to that but anything else that may actually be true there's like resistance there's some the despair really does um, prevent us from um, wanting to believe and sometimes you know your car uh just there's really some despair when it doesn't work correctly and it's like i the second thing that despair does is it weakens our well-being so we have how long must i take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day have you ever had a day where you just literally getting out of bed is like really not the first option. Um, there's a proverb, uh, Proverbs 13, hope deferred, and I'm sure we all know this, <laughs> hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. I think even in um, there's a correlation here between the heart sick and the body sick. I think even Jesus would attest in his teachings, teach that what comes from the heart in what we do, it all comes from the heart. So if the heart is sick, sick with sorrow, soon after the body will express that. Soon after, our members will start to slow. Our hands and our feet no longer want to cooperate. 
no longer want to do the things that we usually do. There's a slowness when our heart is sick. When in despair we hide ourselves, we take counsel with ourself, we go inward. And we leave little room for counsel of our physical bodies. Again, whenever you're in despair, how much do you want to hear that someone say, why don't you just get out of bed and, and have a good day? Why don't just have a good, think about a good day. Think about it as a good day. Usually, usually, I think there are some times where you're like, you know what? Gosh darn it. The Lord is on high and I'm getting up. <laughs> um, but typically, our body is slow. We don't, we physically can't. And three, it heightens our fear of opposition. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So this is a little bit more complicated because typically when we lament, we don't really talk about, like, we may talk about the enemy as Satan, but we typically don't lament against our enemies. But to Israel, um, Israel's success um, was directly related to, or sorry, um, the success of Israel's enemies was directly related to God's relationship with them. Pretty easy. Enemies win, Israel bad. Enemies lose, Israel good. That's typically what you see in the Old Testament. And there's, there's two options here when, when um, you have this mentality. There is fear because if the enemy wins, these two options, God was either against Israel or he was unable to protect her. Both of these are humiliating and both of these are, are scary. Uh, the God against me? That's... That'll put, you in, that'll put you in a real scare real quick. And God just unable to help? This is despair. And so despair will either lead you to shame or to sharpen. It'll either lead you to regard yourself as the enemy of God or, attempt, or you will attempt to defeat your opponent without him. Because if he's against you, well, he's the great God, you're the enemy. <laughs> and if he's not going to help, then, well, we're going to muster up our own army. This is what despair does. And we find that despair really is the enemy. Because... God loved Israel. And as we talk about how God's turning away is not meaningless or malicious, even when God used the enemies against Israel, God was still for Israel. Because even in the enemies turning against them, he was pruning them and bringing them towards the promise. 
And God is always able to protect. So despair is the enemy. Hopelessness is the enemy. And I think when we shame ourselves, we back up, and when we sharpen, we want to we we attack. And so even during this time, I'm sure you've probably felt maybe a number of those emotions, um, even through COVID and um, through George Floyd's death and some of the um, protests and riots. I'm sure there's been a, a a number of those emotions, and and despair. It's really, um, it's really the enemy that we are to fight and because it changes our view of who God is. And so, the final thing we're gonna look at is how does lament actually give victory? So we've talked about what despair is, what despair actually does, there's, I mean, there's despair again. Um, and now, what does lamenting have to do to it? How does it actually give us victory? We see in verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Even after expressing his doubts, will you leave me forever? He still believes that God will consider his case. That God will still consider him. He still goes right to the Lord. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lament recognizes that this is um, important. <laughs> that if I don't take care of this despair, I may actually die, God. That's how severe this is, Lord. If, I don't, if you don't come, if you don't show up, things are not going to go well. And so lament is engaging God despite our despair. Failure is not in despair. It's in not tending to it. When you feel despair, it's easy to feel like God has rejected you or in some way you are really lost. But you're really lost when you don't go to him. When he no longer becomes an option. Failure is not feeling despair, but not tending to it. Finally, we have usually what ends a lament is a faith call. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Bountifully. It's interesting because David didn't have Jesus. The great wind. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really think that was that profound, but I guess that kind of 
David didn't have Jesus, but he knew his God. He knew who he was. Thanks, Megan. Um, I was reminded um, not too long ago, I think it was right after I was getting over the, the COVID slump, um, dealing with all the Facebook craze and everything with that, I was, I was darkened. I, was, I didn't know what to think. <laughs> um, I had a call with a friend. Um, and I went to University of Valley Forge um, and made some really, really good, powerful friendships there. Um, that will last me, hopefully, till I pass. I'm only 25, but you, know, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> the, will, the will of the Lord. <laughs> um, but um, I was in despair, and you know, we were talking, and she she preached at me a little bit. It was a, actually it was a lot of bit. It was about two hours, and I didn't really say much. <laughs> But um, she enlightened my soul. Um, she renewed in me the gospel of truth. And I wondered, like, God, why am I, like, hearing this now and it's, like, doing something new in me? Didn't I already know this? <laughs> like, was I saved before this, you know? But, I, but God quickly brought me to Paul and how in most of his letters, what does he start it with? I'm sure the churches he was talking to knew the gospel. He always started it with, this is where we start with always. The gospel, you have to know this. They talked about it all the time. Paul knew that the gospel was something you needed to hold on to every day, needed to think about it day and night. And so when she expressed that to me, that God would never leave me, even in my wandering, there's nothing. There's nothing that can separate us from him. The only thing that can is if we don't go to him. There is nothing we can do that prevent his love from allowing us in his presence. And usually if I would be preached at for two hours and be in despair, I would be like not receptive at all, you know, that not really receiving truth. But I think when, when you, when you recognize that your brothers and sisters are, they love you, and yeah, it might not be effective, but I was renewed. I really was. And I think there's another side to this. That we do have a real enemy. I think when you even look back at Genesis, Satan used the fruits of despair to deceive Adam and Eve. Did God really say that you must not eat any 
of the fruits of the trees? He distorted God's intentions. Did God really, is God, is he really for your good? Does he really know what he's talking about? He exploits the weakness of the flesh. You must do that? Whoa, that's a big thing to ask. And he makes God inadequate or oppressive. Any of the fruits? Any of the fruits of the trees? Our enemy is despair. And in lament, when we come to a God who does hear, who wants to contend with us, who wants to wrestle with us, I think there's peace in that. I think it also allows us to take each other's grief a little bit more seriously. I think it allows us to, to love one another and maybe, maybe quiet, quiet a little bit when someone's in grief and listen. And sometimes when someone's preaching at you, you might, you might get renewed. You might hear the Lord.